This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in New Zealand. You can email us at contact at aeanz.org. We're on the first Friday of the month, so it is a speaker's meeting. And tonight, the speaker is Sandra. My name's Sandra and I'm an, ad- an, an addictive eater. Oh, um, and, um, I'm very grateful to be at the meeting tonight. And, um, yeah, when I... Um, it was <laughs> Food has always been the most important thing in my life, from right back from when I was a child. Nothing goes matter about food. Any event that I went to, anything around the house, um, camping holidays, we were very much into camping and fishing, and food was always in a priority. And I just, I never understood why. I couldn't understand why, but it just was. And as I've come to understand that it's a disease and I'm addicted to food. But when you're young, you just don't have any idea of what's going on. And I felt um, very isolated. I felt very alone, but I also felt very angry because I just had no idea how to mix with other children, how, how to just be a, a little kid running around because I was so self-absorbed Well, actually, I was so self-conscious and so ashamed of the way I ate. Um, People laughed at me about the way I ate. Um, I remember we were babysat. I know I was older, you know, I was in my probably early teens at that time, and one of the older teenagers was looking after us, and um, I kept wanting to go back and get more and more and more, and she she just laughed at me and said, oh, my gosh, you know, my... No wonder you're so fat. You just don't stop eating, Sam. What's wrong with you? And um, and I honestly had to realise that I had no idea what was wrong with me. I just couldn't stop. And I went on my first diet when I was about 16, a real diet, you know, a proper diet, uh, which was um, pills and um, uh, quite a strict diet really and I did lose a lot of weight but I never felt better because I always believed that to be a girl or to be a woman you needed to be thin and the boys only like thin people and that's what I wanted. Um, I was very jealous of my sister who um, was able to maintain her weight. She's very tall and quite slim and she's only 12 months younger than me and I was so jealous. I was so bitterly jealous of her and everybody else who who were able to be thin. And um, So I went on my first diet and lost a lot of weight and went mad. I um, met my boyfriend at that time, my husband to be around um, I was on that diet and I lost a lot of weight and um, it was for about two two years I was able to keep the weight off and I met him and we went to Sydney and I was very, very thin and I just remember going to Sydney on the train and just being so angry and so bitter because I can't go in there and I can't eat that food and I can't go there and I can't eat that I can't go there and... I must have been a mad woman. I don't know how they put up with me. I really don't. 
And um, I remember I bought this um, sweet, these, this box of sweets to bring home for my mum and you know, for my family. And the whole train trip home, and I think it takes, you know, 12 hours or something in the train, all I was obsessed with was that box of, box of sweets in my bag that was up on the shelf. And I was trying to work out how I could eat it without anybody knowing and still take it home for my family. I just, <gasps> mad, you know, how, how do you sit in a seat like that? You just, you can't. It was just absolute madness. And that basically describes my whole life. My whole life is madness of thinking of how can I eat it, how can I get away with eating it, how can it still be there? And I had no idea what was wrong with me. And as I've come to learn in, in, um, in Addictive Eaters Anonymous that I have, an, I have a disease, I have, I'm addicted to food, and I've come to realise that it gets progressively worse and worse and worse. For me, I think I was born with this because I spent many, I spent seven years going to a counsellor to find out what happened to me. You know, there must have been a line that, that something happened to me and, and that's what made me the way I am today. That made me, because when I was 21, um, I gave up smoking. I used to smoke about 50 cigarettes a day um, and I gave up smoking. And I stopped drinking because um, yeah, that was a working item. You don't end up on the bathroom floor in a pretty state if, if, if you're just a normal drinker. So I stopped drinking. There's just no way I could stop eating. You know, I went to many dietitians. So I looked for something that happened to me, and of course, nothing did happen to me. And progressively, it got worse and worse. Um, I started bulimia, I started throwing up, and I thought that was the answer to all my problems, which was fat, because that's all my problem was. was you know, I didn't have anything else wrong with me, it was just, I was fat. And um, so I was bulimic for quite a number of years, and it progressively got out of control. Um, and it was long before the word bulimia was actually, there was no name for what I was doing for a couple of years. and. Um, and then I um, opened up a newspaper and it had, you know, bulimia or something, and it talked about the symptoms, and then, it, uh, not the symptoms, it talked about what it was, but also the symptoms that went along with it. And um, I'd ruined my teeth, um, my hands were all scarred and marked, um, because I would put my fingers down my throat. Um, I had heart palpitations all the time. And they said, um, you generally have a heart attack and die. I thought, oh, that's not good. And, um, but this is how mad I was. I just hoped beyond all hope that after I finished vomiting and had a heart attack, I could press the button. So, so, you know, so I could press the button and, and then no one would know. You know, I would just be collapsed on the bathroom floor. But, you know, it'd be, you know, oh, what's happened to Sandra? And, um, and that's all I was worried about. So that's how mad I was. I, you know, I, I didn't want to die, yeah, sure, but it was the, I didn't want people to know what I was doing because I, I, I hid it. And um, so I was bulimic on and off. Um, and I was morbidly obese or thin, mo mostly morbid, morbidly obese the whole of my life. 
And it wasn't until I, um, I was home and I saw an ad on TV and I saw this woman in the fridge eating and I thought, oh my gosh, that's me. Because I'd never know, I didn't know anybody else was, had done this. And um, so I rang up this clinic and they, um, they described the, you know, the process of what they do and I said, oh, well, you know, I can't do that. And they gave me a contact phone number for another uh, community centre that was running 12-step fellowships at that stage. And um, so I went there and um, I was talking to my sponsor today and I was seeking, solution, I was seeking a solution. And, um, and so I started this, these other 12-step fellowships and, um, and just was seeking a solution, but progressively getting worse and worse and worse because there was no solution. Um, very kind and caring and, and people who grew to um, really care about me and, and they really wanted me to get well. But what they didn't offer a solution, they, they offered the, um, um, after I'd read the big book, because um, it was, because I said, oh, you know, maybe I should read the, this book. And they said, oh, no, you don't need to read that book. No, you just need to do this. I said, oh, okay, then, you said so, fine. And, um, and so, but what I've come to realise too, is looking back, is that this, this disease that I've got, this addictive eating that I've got, is very cunning, baffling and powerful. And, and I would seek out people who would tell me what I wanted to hear. Because I would ask 10 people, you know, tell 10 people the problem or what was happening, and I'd pick out the answers that I wanted, snippets of what I wanted. And I was never rigorously honest with anybody. I'd do little bits and little bits and little bits, but I was never rigorously honest. And so when I did ring the, read the big book, I read um, Frothy Emotions Seldom Suffices. And that's what I was getting from these kind people, was that frothy emotion, you know, the hugs on the back, and you know, you're such a lovely person, you're so spiritual, and, and I'd go home and eat everything out of the fridge, and you know, hate everybody. You know, that's how spiritual I was when I was eating. And, um, you know, I was doing retreats, spiritual retreats as well, you know, seven day retreats, and over the 15 years I was going to this, this community centre, which basically, I suppose, gave me something to do until I actually was willing to really surrender. And um, I was going to a meeting and I'd, I'd heard a lady share for five years. Um, she would come over on holidays and share, and um, I really didn't like the solution that, that was being shared by this lady. And, um, and it wasn't until I'd done my seventh retreat in 14 years, and, um, because I must have missed something in those previous six ones, <laughs> had to get it right. And, um, and so walked out of that retreat, seven days, had, um, there was a facilitator, or a companion for each person on the retreat and we talked a little bit about food and, and um, you know, she said, um, oh, he's so spiritual, you know, I think you'd be able to eat this. And, um, and so that was just another opportunity for, for this addictive eating to, um, to really just kick up another notch. Because they'd never, they'd never ever put, put the food down as I understand it today. I just, I would just either, um, be binging on food or binging on diet and exercise. It was the same madness 
It was just <coughs> one extreme or the other. That, that was the, my life, was extremes. And um, so I walked out of this retreat. You know, and everybody's in there smiling and they're going to go out and save the world. And, oh, don't you come near me, you bunch of freaks. Don't touch me, don't come near me. And where's my husband to take me home? And, and I looked up at the heavens and I said, you know what, God, I'm done. I'm never doing self-help again. I'm not doing any more of this stuff again, ever. If you want me to get well, I need a sponsor in my life. I need someone I can't manipulate. This is who I need. It's up to you now. I'm done. And I truly believed it. And as I said, at that point, I'd never read the big book. But when I did read it and read um, that he'd gone to the barn to die, that's what I'd done. Even though my barn was, you know, home at the house and husband and a couple of kids and work and, you know, life, but it was the barn. I, I, I was just going to go home and eat myself to death, whether that be tomorrow or next Friday or next year, whenever I was done. I wasn't ever going to try and control it again. But I still kept going to this particular 12-step meeting that um, I'd heard the salute. Well, I'd heard the solution I was desperate for at that point. And four months later, that lady walked into a meeting. And um, I was sitting in the, in the meeting and, and this lady walked in and sat opposite me and um, the thought crossed my mind and said, okay, you either ask for help or you never complain again, ever. You have to keep, you just never ever complain again because there's what you've asked for. And um, I must have shared something in that meeting because we'd never actually spoken to one another those couple of times we'd met over the years. I must have said something that sounded like surrender. And um, she put a hand on my shoulder and said, I'm staying at such and such a motel if you want to talk to me. And for that week, from Friday to Friday, my disease, or this, this addiction, this you know, disease of addiction, screamed at me and said, don't go near her. She's going to tell you to leave your husband, your children, the job, and your country. And... Um, <laughs> But regardless of what it said, what my disease was screaming at me every waking moment of that week, I prayed beyond all prayer. I went to the meeting early, I opened up, and I just hoped beyond all hope that she would come. And she did. And I just said, the only reason I didn't ring you this week is because I couldn't remember what you said. And so she wrote it down. And again, that was the spiritual tools laid at my feet. And um, I picked it up and I made several phone calls to get a direct line um, and spoke with this lady and asked her would she help me and um, she 12 stepped me the next, in the next day or so on holidays and so she gave time to me um, on her holidays to, to show me or to give me a solution for this, this addictive eating that I had. And um, there was something in the big book that she read and the penny dropped and, f and I just knew that this was the solution for me. I've never read it again. I think it was made up. <laughs> but I've never been able to find that paragraph or that section that was read again because I just, I never found it again. Um, and that's when I was given the solution for addictive eating, this, this madness in my head. Because what drove me to madness wasn't, wasn't 
What drove me to surrender wasn't my physical body, it was my, my mind, this, this disease in my head. It was, will I, won't I, can I, can't I? How come they can and I can't? It's not fair. And that's what drove me to mad. That, that's what drove me to, um, to surrender and desperation because I didn't want to wake up tomorrow like I had woken up today. That was, I just didn't want to do it again. And, um, and slowly over time, I've been able to put all my old ideas up on the shelf and ask for help. You know, how do I do this? How do I do this? What do I do here? And um, the choices that I've made have all been mine um, because I ask for help and I choose what I'm going to do. And God willing, just for today, it's I choose sobriety. I choose asking for help um, because I don't want to go back to where I was. And, um, you know, where I was was morbidly obese, lying on the lounge, angry, bitter, nasty, vicious, selfish, self-centered, poor me, feeling sorry for myself, you know, clinically depressed, um, all of those things I used to be. And today I'm not. You know, today is a great day. If I haven't had to pick up the first one, which for me is, you know, I haven't had to eat, drink or take a pill, and I get on with my life, I do the suggested things that were suggested on that day, quietly go about my business, I've been able to become the wife I've always wanted to be, the mother I've always wanted to be, and the human being I always wanted to be. Because when I did my fifth step, I was, I was freed. I walked in with all this stuff on, on this piece of paper on my, in my book and um, there was a couple of things I was never going to share, ever. And I shared those, because right, that's first. They're the first things I'm going to share and that's what I did. And um, when I walked out of that house in the afternoon, it was cold and crisp and it burnt my throat terribly. But it was the first day I felt like a human being in the world. Because I never felt like a human being prior to that day. And I was 45 years old. Um, so I've been given a solution here in Addictive Eaters Anonymous. I've been given the, op the opportunity to be a kind and decent human being and have one day at a time free of this obsession with myself and food. And I've been given a solution to, to go out there and be productive and, and share my experience, strength and hope as the best I can. And, you know, I mean, the, my relationship with God has evolved and has blossomed into something that um, if you hadn't asked me 10 years ago, I would never have understood. Whereas today, it's just part of my solution, part of my recovery, and it's evolved in a natural way. I don't study anything anymore. I just read and live. And, um, and I'm so very grateful for the support that I've been given here. People have bent over backwards for me and I'm so very, very grateful for that opportunity to be of service to others. So, um, you know, whenever I get the opportunity, I'm hands up. Yep. How can I help? What can I do? Well, you know, what do you need? And, um, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity to be of service to not only my fellows, but to everybody. So I'm very grateful, thanks.